My name is Kyle, and I am on a, a new podcast for our church. And this is our podcast, which we're not totally sure what we're calling it yet. We'll figure it out. Maybe I'll put that intro in in post as well and fix it in post. But we're here to discuss the values of our church. Um, and today we're talking about creativity. And here we are today with Pastor Kathy Bruce and friendly leader Raymond Pendleton. We're here to just discuss creativity as we plant our church, Hope Nomad. Um, as we plan our church, we came up with a bunch of different values that we really valued as a church and things that we cared about and we wanted our church to be centered around and shaped by. And we wanted to have a more robust conversation around those those things as in the midst of church planning, sometimes we, these conversations can get lost. Um, so that's what our church, our podcast is here for today. And um, we're going to go through a couple questions. We're going to go through why did we bring this value to our church in the first place? What does it mean to be creative? Who is creative? Why should we be creative as Christians? And then also, if we are supposed to be creative, what does a creative church look like? And what does our church look, uh, look like? And how are we as a church going to embrace creativity? Um, so without further ado, guys, um, let me uh, just ask, uh, why do we bring this value to our church? Um, Kathy, you might be the best person to answer that question. Yeah, well, thank you for having us on, Kyle. And I, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about how, uh, how neat it is to have this as our first value that we're discussing. Um, obviously, our church has a number of different values, but I love that this is the first one that, that our, our leadership team and, and the first one we're, we're discussing on this podcast, because I love what, um, you know, the very first verse in the Bible, you know, if you, if you know what Genesis 1 says, Genesis 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's the very first verse in the entire Bible. And so I think, you know, the fact that we serve a God who is that creative and we are made in his image. Yeah. Um, you know, Genesis also talks about how, how all of us are made in God's image. And so we all are creative beings, whether or not we identify as such or not but we all have um that characteristic well and what's what's very interesting is i you know i was thinking about this i um from the age of three learned how to dance and then in junior high i um i've been singing in the church choir and with my my dad who was a great singer and so so he kind of dragged me into church choir singing so then i started singing and then i started taking singing lessons and then when we, um, when I got into high school, I started taking acting lessons and really felt like God was calling me into um, the artist life, right, of, of actually maybe thinking about being a vocational actor, singer, dancer. And it was funny because when I got to college, I was actually in a Christian ministry college organization. They actually dissuaded me from pursuing a full-time career in the arts. The leaders of this this organization really felt like, you know, it was such a dark area, like theater was full of darkness. And that was really disappointing to me because I felt like I wanted to show the light and love of Jesus in the theater community. And so I ended up ignoring what they all told me and <laughs> just pursued theater when I got out of college and um, ended up in New York in 1996 in a Broadway show. And so every night of the week I was creating. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Ray, how about you? Similar to Kathy of how, you know, I, I mean, granted, this is more recently like two years ago, but when I wanted to go into a creative industry where like this is no longer for my consumption, like there's an industry behind this, um, a, a man-made industry, an industry made in the fallen world. 
um, but an industry that's still making beautiful works sometimes. And uh, who are the people behind that and how can I love them well? And I realized that the church, while it's trying and has efforts uh, trying to do this, um, I think largely misses the personal impact that I boldly believe is largely due to spiritual warfare um, that it has on individual creatives who are trying to grow their uh, creative giftings in an industry that a powerful industry that the world's created. Um, I think that that's just rich, fertile soil for a spiritual battleground. And I, I personally don't have any doubts that there's a massive spiritual war going on in the film industry, in the theater industry, in the music industry. The amount of money behind art and paintings is probably spiritual warfare going on there too. Um, and for the church to be struggling to have a presence in all of these battlefields, I, I think that's concerning. Yeah, I think that's really true, Ray. And I, you know, I've been doing this church thing for a couple of decades now and, and seeing how I think just corporately the church has been behind the eight ball on figuring out how to not just reach creative, like vocationally creative people, but also create space for them where they feel like their, their art, whatever that, that is, their, their creative medium um, is, is welcome in the church. You know, like is, is that there's a space for, for what they create, you know, and, and what they create could be lots of different things. I know, I know we'll probably get into a further conversation about, about the fact that all of us actually are, are creative beings. Right. Um, but, but I think specifically, I, I often think specifically of people who are vocationally pursuing a career of some sort in the arts and just realizing that the church is not corporately done a historically done a good job of of loving i think as you said it really well okay yeah uh, on that note like i have the honor and privilege of getting to go to sundance film festival um with five other christian guys uh in all different respects in the film industry um and we went to a christian forum that uh for the first time it, it's been around for a while but for the first time it was getting uh, recognition and sponsorship. Uh, so we were excited. We were like, wow, um, this is cool. Like, this is a Christian movement getting connected with one of the biggest kind of like uh, melting pot festivals uh, in the industry. And something that really concerned me was the more people I talked to who'd been part of this Christian forum for years uh, and would consider themselves Christians making Christian filmmakers. There was very little grace uh, for young Christian filmmakers to go through the messiness of trying to figure out what is the story I need to tell. This wasn't about empowering people to go into Hollywood. And do, you, do you feel like, Ray, there's a fear yeah. around that? Because it's interesting listening to your story and thinking of my own story in college. You know, the fear was that, oh, if you go into that industry, you're going to get dragged down. And I think that was driven by fear, right? Instead of, instead of like saying, Hey, 
yeah, you're solid in your faith and we're going to, you know, we're going to trust to send you out there you know, into the abyss and, and trust that God is going to, you know, provide for you is going to help you with temptation and it's going to help you be a light in that, that world. I would take it one step further and say, it's not just, we trust you, but, uh, we trust your calling enough to send one or two people with you. Mm. Right. I, I think Support network film industry, biggest struggle I have is when I'm the lone person on a film set, but I've had the other experience where I am like for every non-Christian on set, there's a Christian on set. The, the difference in the atmosphere was tangible. Like the circumstances are the same. We were still behind schedule on the set. We were still struggling with the budget on the set. Like it, it was a tangible difference. And, and I would love for that to be more normal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think what you're pointing out there too, Kathy and Ray, is that like I think the church, right? Uh, one thing that I've, I was I was drawing away from that as well as the church kind of puts like, hey, drugs, alcohol, like this industry, ooh, God can't work there, right? That's just a lie. I mean, God is omniscient, omnipotent, like omnibenevolent. He's all. He is God. And if our, our God is too small, right, then he can't work in the film industry. He can't work in the fashion industry, et cetera. I heard the same exact rhetoric when I was attending Models for Christ meetings, right? Like, oh, this industry is unsavable. It is not workable. You cannot be a Christian in, in the fashion industry. That's a lie, right? And God, God can't work there. That, that, that's what people say, right? The well, limits, is, it limits our view of God. Right. Slash, it also pushes us in a different way of like, okay, well, if you go into finance, right, which the church will be like, great, go into business, right? What, what idols and, and temptations do you have there? Sex, drugs, all those things, but also power, greed, um, like all those types of dynamics, right? Going into ministry is, is, has plenty of temptations and, and other things as well, like that are, have played out in our, in our church settings all over the place, right? Like, well, you know what just strikes me as you're saying this, Kyle? Going into finance... Going into ministry, those are all things that come back and benefit the church, don't they? And it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to see. It's easy to see, right? Like, oh. Yeah. So, so you know, looking at, you know, empowering and equipping an artist to go into that industry, how does that benefit the church? And, and, I, and I think that's part of the problem is that the church doesn't see how it benefits because there's been no, no real spaces created. And I think, you know, when it's just interesting that you're saying, like, yeah, go into finance, go into ministry. Well, those things turn around and potentially benefit the church. But if they don't see that artists are going to somehow benefit the church, then we're not, yeah, we're not doing a good job of, of sending them out into those mission fields. Yeah, per perhaps, perhaps as, as a good segue for me to talk about um, some of the things that I wrote down in our, in our planning document and just as I was exploring creativity. Um, I, I went and looked through at a, a, a philosophical approach to art and aesthetic uh, because of my background as a philosophy major in college. And uh, this uh, philosopher Beardsley defined it as an arrangement of conditions intended to be capable of affording an experience with marked aesthetic character. That is art. Um, to put that in like layman's terms, right? It's a, it's a, you set something up and that gives people an experience and that experience is capable of giving them a profound spiritual, mental, physical, and or emotional reaction. And it moves them, basically, right? That's art um, to Beardsley. And it's from a philosophical standpoint. It's an arrangement of conditions intended to create an experience that revokes a reaction in, in within you. And as I thought, I looked at this philosophical definition, I was like, oh, this is basically church. Church is an arrangement of experiences 
like, like, like a church service, that is. A, chur- a church service is an arrangement of experiences that are intended to get to have, give you a connection with a, a profound experience. Um, and that hits you in all these different ways, right? So in many ways, our church service is art, uh, if you're going to use that philosophical definition. Um, and, but I don't think we think about that in that way, right? Um, and therefore, an, an, an artist, quote-unquote, is in a ranger of these conditions, someone who makes this condition happen that gives you a profound experience. So, Kathy, not only were you an artist before, but you as a pastor now are an artist. You are supposed to be creating this experience where we get this profound spiritual thing. Um, one of my favorite quotes by Matthew Arnold says um, that literature and art will never lose its value or currency in the world because as long as it continues to capture the human experience. Um, and I think that's, and, and what the beauty of church and the beauty of a church service and the beauty of us as Christians is we get a chance to create a experience that captures the human experience and then points to a greater hope. Because if you capture the human experience, oftentimes you get really, really sad. Right yeah. Now. And I, and I think that, that points to God as the master artist, you know, that God is the master artist. He, he, you know, the very first thing he did was to create. And then, but we also know that there was some chaos in that, right? And he brought order to the chaos, right? Like he created all these different things. And then like everything was beautifully brought, you know, put together, Uh, you know? So again, I think all of it just continues to speak back to who we are in God's image. He is the master Mm -hmm. artist, you know, and we are, we hold that, we hold that in him, you know? Right. So. One, I, one, of the, one of the books I wrote down as a resource, as I've been reading this book called Beware the Slow Leaks by my, my pastor Steve King. He's one of my mentors, uh, actually. He's a, one of the sweetest, most emotionally healthy men I've ever met in my life. <laughs> but, and he's been pastoring a church in um, uh, Arlington, Virginia for around 35 years. He retired recently. Um, but one, one thing he writes about and is just the centrality of the gospel in our faith and how um, Jesus came t- to die for us. But he also came, like the primary reason he came was to glorify God. Right. And but by the glory of God and by the necessity of glorifying God, glorifying ourselves leads to destruction. But glorifying God leads to the flourishing of all people, the enhancement of all people, sacrifice, love, peace, kindness, all all the things that we long for. And um, that ultimately, right, like the like that, that's our that's our mission is to glorify God and um, and by living into our own imago imago day, our our, um, being made in God's image, we we are going to reflect that that glory to him, and by in order to do that, we must um, be creative. And if we're not reflecting God, and if we're not in our creativity, I th- and or we don't create, I think uh, for God, we are by definition as human beings. Not only are we not not quote unquote creating, we're actually creating for the other kingdom. There's no there's no there's no other options. We could create for God, or we could create for ourselves, or 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 or, or basically the, the kingdom of the air, aka kingdom of earth, or Satan. And I think oftentimes we're like, oh, I'm not a creative. That's that's a lie. I think we are creatives by necessity of who we are. We are God's workmanship. We are His poemia, like the, the original word for poem back in the Greek. Like we are His workmanship, and we're going to be be we're going to do the same thing. We're going to be going to try to create things. And who? But who are we creating for? Um, with that in mind, right? Since we are going to have to create for, for ourselves. And like, what, what do we mean by creative? We are going to take something out of nothing. We're going to make something new out of disparate parts or something out of nothing and innovate on already existing structures. What does a creative church look like? Slash, what does that mean for our church? If this is true, like that we are all creative and, and we want to create a space where we can all be creative and we value creativity, taking something from nothing, being like God. 
and that we also specifically have a lot of people our background who are vocationally creative. How do we how do we as a church function in light of some of these things? And Ray, I think you got like seven seven pages of thoughts on some of these things. But so I want to tee you up for that. Should I, should I just read them? <laughs> I mean, if you want. Yeah. I don't know. Do we have enough time? I, I think we don't have three hours to read it all. Yeah, like give give me like give me my my college college experience cliff notes of what you wrote in some ways, I and mean, maybe we can riff off of that as well. So, I think it's kind of like when you. <laughs> I struggle when it gets used as an identity statement. And I think that's where we need to hold it as a value, uh, but not our identity. Like we, we value creativity in the church, but to call ourselves a creative church like that, that carries some weight to it that I don't think we're called to carry. Um, so for me, the question is how do we value this gift of creativity? The, the fact that we're made in God's image as creative beings and and that the gift in and of itself, I, I think, is our imagination. So, so how do we care for our gift of imagination the same way we care for any other gift? And, and I think that's an important thing to wrestle with as a church, because everyone's going to have, everyone's going to imagine different ideas. Um, I've imagined six pages of them. Like, like, I think the act of creating for no other reason than to create is an investment in your relationship with God. It's an investment in your life. Like, I, I think you learn something between yourself and God in that moment that I relate to like the gift of the white shining stone in revelation. Like this will have a name written on it. That is just between us and God. And I get to worship that part of God and everyone else is going to worship a different part of God. And it's just between you and God. Like, I don't think we can fully wrap our heads around it in this lifetime, but the fact that we're getting a glimpse of it in revelation and like, we all have these, imaginations that we can use or choose not to use like I, I think being a creative church means trusting that when I care for my imagination and use it to creative effects I'm investing in my relationship with God and it will help me love other people more like Jesus in ways that I can't put words to and I just trust it will I mean one thing you're saying there too is between you and God um, I think that and I think that kind of relationship with God requires you to um, really adopt your sonship or daughtership in Christ and be like a child, right? I think in order to really flourish with your imagination, most adults especially don't do this a lot, right? And so I think you have to kind of return to the time where you were the most creative, which is like a child. Um, and for sex, the most innovative people in, in the world, especially like around things like, like really arcane problems like math mathematics, are people who are really young. Right, who are using their imaginations and are capable of imagining things beyond what's already in front of them. Um, and I think Christ calls us to be a childlike posture, which requires humility um, and to um, rely on others and to you know, have expectancy and hope and, um, and to use your imagination. And I think that's something that's really, if we had a church full of people who were humble, imaginative, um, relied on others and asked for help, and had hope in something beyond themselves. And I think we would be an excellent church, which would be kind of cool. And I think to add to that, we need to de-emphasize what is produced and yeah. take the filters off, right? Because, I, and I was just thinking of an example, you know, I was in worship school a few years back and as a contemplative project, we all were forced to sit at a long table with paintbrushes in our, in our, in front of us and a, and watercolors and, a piece of paper and we all were forced for 45 minutes to 
paint. And there was one rule. You weren't allowed to look at what others were painting. And I have to admit, I did this. I like broke the rule. I was like, started looking over at somebody else's and I was like, man, mine sucks. Like my, I stink at painting. You know, my, what I'm producing, this, this content is terrible. But I think because we're so like, just as a culture and a society, we're so used to judging art, right? And when I say art, I mean all forms of art, whether it's movies, film, painting, singing, you know, whatever. I mean, we judge people by their, what they output. Right. We judge them by the content, what is produced, right? And and we emphasize that. And so once you start de-emphasizing that and you stop judging your own work as well as the person next to you, then there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom to to use imagination and to create and you're not, and, and it, it becomes, to me, it becomes very holy. That becomes a holy moment. If we're creating a God's image and we're putting ourselves down and we're, we're judging ourselves based on, you know, what we think it should look like instead of just saying, Hey, you know, God, this is, this is what you've given me to, to create. And it's beautiful because it is not, it is, blah, 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 you know, fill in the blank, but it's just because it is. Right. I mean, in that space, we're also taking the place of God and then also downplaying or diminishing the stuff that God has given us. As if God has given us the wrong gifts, which is not true because he's God. He gave us the right gifts. He gave us the right gifts for sure. Um, One thing I would also say, too, is like in order to foster a creative environment, which me and Ray have spent lots and lots of time on, right? It requires requires humility. Um, It requires diversity of perspective um, and a diversity of experience. And a diversity of background, because if you if you don't if it's all, if we are all on the same exact wavelength, right? If we're all experts in one thing, then we're never going to innovate because we already know everything, quote unquote, right? Um, but our our systems and our world is way too complex for us for anyone to be truly an expert in anything. Like there there's like you know all the coronavirus experts are experts, but they're experts on things that on, on things that happened before. The coronavirus is new. They don't no one's an expert on the coronavirus. If we were to expect all the experts to get in the room and to be able to solve the problem, that's, that, there's actually some merit of saying, like, we should bring other people into the room who have different fields of expertise and different experiences. Um, so that, that was one thing that was really striking to me as well, is actually a creative environment, by definition, must be in some, some way a diverse environment. Yeah, um, it's not based on, like, whether you identify as a creative or not. I think that, like, in order for the diversity perspective to be valued, everyone in the room has to agree, I'm going to do things that I'm not comfortable with. I'm really, really comfortable as a writer. If you want me to go give a stand-up comedy routine, I'm going to have some resistance to that. Why? Only because of fear. Mm -hmm. Only because I'm afraid that I won't be funny. What I've often found is like where there's the most resistance, there's the most surprise. And it's like you have that much resistance doing something that like, the only reason for not doing it is fear. You'll probably be really surprised when you do a phenomenal job. I really like what you said, Ray, about creating a safe space too. I think that's mm-hmm. really important. And I think of a couple of experiences I had, you know, 10 years ago when I was in the South and I was, I was involved in some mega churches that, that, that actually use, utilized a lot of creative, you know, they created creative spaces within their services. And so I was involved in some of their film projects and some of the live, you know, spoof things that we would do on a Sunday. And um, there was a lot of pressure. Hey, this film has to be top-notch, excellent quality. Like, 
this person has to be, you know, the best singer or the best, you know, and it, it was not a safe experience, right? Cause you, you, you're afraid to mess up. You were afraid to, and I think that's, I think you just really hit on a really important point is if we're going to love well and foster creative spaces, just from a community perspective, they have to be safe. I, I think that's absolutely true. And something that we as leaders have to be constantly aware of. I mean, we're right. recognize our own humanity. Like we're probably going to slip up and feel a strong urge to be the critic and provide feedback where it's not asked for at times. But I think, I just think like that you, you guys have probably each heard me say this at least once, like the act of creating is brave. To create art is just brave. It doesn't matter how good it is. If you use your imagination to create something, no matter what it is, it's it's brave. Uh, and, I, and I just think about what we've been talking about earlier. Like, I think in that context, the bravest people in the world are like three-year-olds who find a paintbrush and some mud and paint a stone and go give it to their mom or dad going like, hey, look what I made. Here, it's for you. <laughs> and mm. it's like, why do people stop doing that when they're four or five? It's like, mm. is it because they don't want to? Or is it because at some point the parent says, I, I really don't need all these stones. And I mm. think the church has a responsibility to be different and say like, I'm, I'm so glad you love painting stones with mud. Uh, could you maybe paint a bigger stone or maybe you could do this or like, like use paint instead of mud, try that. And just like actually empower the gifting and the desire to use imagination to create, not just like, I really don't need this messiness. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, imagine a, a church, a church where we are able to fail together and pursue excellence in safety, right? That, that sounds awesome, right? Where we're allowed to fail because we are sinners and we will fail but we are constantly calling people lovingly in a safe environment towards excellence, which is to ultimately to pursue Christ likeness because Christ is the only thing that is truly excellent, right? Like that's the kind of environment we want, but our value of creativity, I think can really, even on a very practical level, pursuing creativity can create that. Um, I wrote a summary at the end of what, what I wrote was if we must cultivate a culture of humble childlike learners who innovate question and seek the welfare of others, we must cultivate a culture that has shared experiences and is contributed to by a variety of backgrounds and experiences across age, ethnic background, life experience, etc. And in order for this culture to exist, we must be diverse, we must be humble in order to hear these experiences and we will form a diverse multi-generational multi-ethnic community if our desire is to create an ideal creative environment that seeks to glorify God. As we seek to glorify God, we shall we must align with his character, which will lead us towards his mission and to seek the justice that he has for us on earth and the next. Those things must occur if we pursue a creative environment that is Christ-like and pursue true creativity. Pursue wow, true did creativity. you just yeah, write that? Yeah, that's my philosophical conclusion. That was the conclusion I wrote at the end of my little philosophy premises, right? Like, but going through, like, what does creativity mean and what, is it, what, is, what does it necessitate? And if creativity is, is based in the Lord, the Most High, what does that mean? We must, by definition, pursue all the other values that our church has in order to create an environment of creativity. And, it, and we must, therefore, be the church. Um, okay, we would be remiss. Um, we should wrap things up a little bit. We would be remiss. What does this mean for us three and the rest of our leadership team as we do this? What would you say? Well, I, I'm, again, I'm really struck by this idea of safe, creative space. I think... Um, if we're able to create that, you know, whether, whether it's, 
how we incorporate creativity on a Sunday morning or how we cultivate spaces throughout the week um, to be creative. You know, both of those environments, I think pursuing, you know, making those spaces, those environments safe for everyone to explore and use their imagination. And as Ray said, like, like make a space where people can step out of their comfort zone. If we could achieve creating an environment where all are welcome, but not just welcome, but they feel safe. I think like that's going to produce an environment where God honoring and God glorifying creativity at its fullest. I totally agree. That's the goal. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think we have a safe space. I think our creative, our creative writing group, that time and space on Wednesday night, every other Wednesday night, um, like Kyle and I, mostly Kyle Lee, uh, <laughs> that, that I believe is a safe space. And for the two, three people who've been showing up, mainly Rel and Jingwen and Steven, it, I hope they would agree that it is a safe space. Um, I think what we as a leadership team can be doing to further prove and test the waters of that space's safety and authenticity is to show up. Um, I think um, also we can't we can't just test the waters. We got to test all the other people in our in our church too. Because Alex and Ariana, they we can't just test them. We got to test everybody else. But that's sorry, that's a bad joke. Keep going. Oh, okay. I was late on that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. We can't just test Alex and Ariana waters. We we got to test the artistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to dip our toe, and we can't. I can't even make a water metaphor because their their name is waters. Anyway, continue. continue. Yeah, it's gonna be hard so. to make waters metaphors with that. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just roll with it but yeah i think as a leadership team <laughs> as a leadership team it doesn't even mean like always showing up because i mean being part of a leadership team that is whole choosing to hold creativity as a value means showing up when the space is there to uh like live live that live that out yeah so do you think that should be our only space no no but we got to have a place to start. Yeah. Cause I think that, you know, and I think that's where some of the tension is in terms of like, once we start worship rehearsals, once we start creating music spaces, you know, there, there's going to be an affinity for certain people to enter different types of artistic spaces. That's, I mean, that, that's the reality. And so I think, um, I personally think we need a lot of different spaces. And it's not just about like starting safe space, it's maintaining it. Um, you guys can just look at my citations for where this is coming from. Like Creativity Inc., the Pixar book. It's like, like at first the goal was just make Toy Story. But after five years, it was, wow, we did it. How do we maintain and grow this? And the rest of the book is about constantly adapting the creative space as times change as partnerships change, as people rotate through, how does the space, which stays the same, adapt and grow? Yeah, and in New York City, the people change thing is one of the most prominent and prevalent things. I mean, anybody who's done church here for long enough knows that people will come and go. We're in such a transient city, and we've already seen that on our own team, right? And we're, we're a very young church, but we've we've we're already starting to see some of that. And so how do we 
like you said, maintain that same space, even though we've got different people coming and going. Yeah, I think on a very practical level too, I think you also have to just try and create stuff um, and take a risk, and especially because we're a new church. It's not like, it's not like you're going to say no, Kathy, from like, hey, let's do this ministry. You're going to be like, okay, how do we do that? Like, no, I think in that? fact, you hopefully you guys have seen the opposite. Anytime Ray writes something, you know, he sends it to me, he goes, hey, what do you think of this? Will this work for a benediction? I'm like, it's awesome. Let's use it. The beauty of a church plant is nothing is as we've always done it, right? Everything is brand new because we're trying it. And we have the ability to try something and fail. That's success to me. Hey, great. Awesome. Thanks for defining what success is for our church, which is true, just to try new things and to try to try to go with the flow as Jesus is, or as Jesus is leading us down his river and he, as he leads us to still waters. Uh, <laughs> okay. Here's an idea for maybe a, maybe a better option for how the leadership team can press into this. Maybe once a month we do what I've tried and experienced to great effect of what's called a dopamine detox. Uh, and maybe once a month for a sabbatical, we identify resting as not creating a space where we can stop creating, consuming, but we look at how we're going for our imagination and say, like, this is a day of no YouTube, no watching sports, uh, no watching movies or TV, no consuming podcasts, probably not even listening to music. It's, it sounds awful. And I'm telling you, for no, you're describing time. my Sabbath Saturday. <laughs> Oh, really? I don't think it's awful at all. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I just know from experience and from talking to other people, it's like, this is Sabbath. Uh, this is how, this is what Sabbath looks like in a lot of cases. Mm, I think that's great. And then I, I think what would be awesome too is for people to jot down their observations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What that was like for them. You know, just a couple observations and we share share and encourage one another with them. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, all right. Thanks for coming on, guys. And worked out well, I think. There's a good discussion. Um, we'll be uh, releasing this so that we can, um, after I finish editing, and you can take, a, people who are gonna listen to this on our leadership team, you can take a listen, um, take some notes, get, get your general ideas on it, and then we'll discuss this at our next team meeting. And that'll be it for our podcast. Awesome.